welcome to the Orion Sportscast Podcast, the most refreshing analysis, insight, and opinions in the world of sports. Here are your hosts, Josh Egan and Brandon Waterhouse. All right, welcome back. Episode five, let's keep it going, keep it rolling. Uh, we got some breaking news to start the podcast. Michael Hutchins signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs two-year deal. Will probably end up in the minors. Uh, they've signed him probably because Aaron Dell has to clear waivers to go down, so it's just a little bit of insurance. And both goalies will be eligible for the expansion draft when that happens in the next offseason. So nothing too big to worry about, Leafs fans. Michael Hutchinson probably won't play an NHL game this year. Just a depth move to make sure that they've covered all their bases. So nothing too big to worry about, but that's Michael Hutchinson signing for two years with the Toronto Maple Leafs, $1.4 million a year. So... Not too much to worry about, but um, just an interesting signing. So add some goalie depth because Kasper Kaskis will also left the organization this year, so they need some goaltending down in the minors as well with Joseph Wall not quite ready to handle it by himself. But on the more important things, we had the World Series finish in the last couple of days. The Dodgers beat the Rays 4-2. to two. Uh, The series was 4-2. to two. The last game was 3-1. to one. But the big story was not the World Series being handed out. It was that one of the players on the Dodgers was pulled from the game because his COVID test came back positive. And they found this out in the eighth inning, I believe. And he was pulled from the game, was put in the quarantine, was told you're not allowed back on the field. And during the celebration, he broke through security and was on the field celebrating with everybody. So uh, we had a Dodgers player on the field with COVID along with everybody. What do you think of this? I didn't know he. I didn't know he uh, snuck through security, but yeah. um, I mean, how does he test positive during the middle of a game? That's what everyone else is wondering, because tests should be done before the game, obviously. Pulling him halfway through a game is pretty much meaningless at that point, especially in the eighth inning, because he's already seen everybody on the field, like the rotations have gone through two to three times at that point. So he would have seen everybody. And it's uh, it just goes to show the lack of attention MLB had to this. And they had some serious issues at the beginning of the season with teams missing games and some teams up to 12 games behind. And it is a poor reflection on them to finish this way because it was literally their last game of the season and they should be celebrating the season being finished but instead they're being slighted by this bad news and people aren't talking about the world series being handed out or clayton kershaw finally getting a ring or the mvp of the world series they're talking about a positive covid case and this player running on the field and potentially infecting families and players of the other teams um so these players couldn't go home right away because they all had to wait for their covid tests to come back so it just goes to show that like this guy and there were protocols in place, the MLB and the MLBPA agreed to these and he chose to break them. So he should be facing, in my opinion, a half season suspension, a six digit fine, and the team should be facing a seven digit fine. But Rob, Ram- Rob Manford has no balls and he's not going to hand out a suspension like that. The, the dude is known for easing up on the players because he wants to be a people pleaser. He, let the, pretty much let the Astros players who cheated off scot-free and only handed out suspensions to the managers. So I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, hopefully they're doing an investigation right now. 
well. So we probably won't hear about it for another week or so, but it's not a good look. No, not at all. I mean, for it to happen during the game is one thing, but to come back out to celebrate and to be with the touch, celebrate your, you know, you're with your teammates, your teammates, families, like you were saying, I mean, I don't know how the other teammates were so willingly like hugging him. I mean, right. maybe they did. I don't know if they knew or not, but like at the same time, like, I don't understand. Like it almost made me think like they were just accepting that they were going to get it too. Like it was almost like, fuck, at this point i don't even understand it i don't get it i thought it was a brain dead maneuver by the guy and it's going to be a brain dead decision by the mlb because they never have any fucking backbone in this situation and it's a bad reflection on what should have been celebrated as a great finish to the season yeah they had their bumps but we knew that was going to happen because they weren't in a bubble the nfl seen the same thing they've handled it quite well but their players like cam newton for example he got a positive COVID test and he went into his quarantine, he did his time and now he's back on the field. If you get it, you agree to these protocols, follow them. I don't care if you just won a world series. And yeah, it's probably the biggest thing you've been grinding towards that since you were a kid playing baseball, but this pandemic going on, respect other people. Like, don't just think of yourself like this. Your teammates want to be out there celebrating too. And you're going to get your chance. And you kind of, put a dark stain on this world series win for your team because everyone's going to see when they go back, Oh, the Dodgers won the world series, but Oh, now, you know, we got this guy who ran back on the field with during a pandemic with a positive test. So it's not even, it's a shame that we're talking about this and not the actual world series win. And that's just a bad reflection on what the MLB did. And hopefully this player gets a suspension. The organization gets a suspension. And the league does a thorough investigation of what went down and how it was allowed to happen. Because if they let him, if security let him on the field, security should also be fine. But if he actually legitimately forced himself onto the field, that's a different story. I want to know where the Dodgers PR guy was telling him, you got to go back into the room. Like, we can't have you out here. This is going to be a nightmare for us. I don't know why the owners didn't tell him anything. The general managers didn't tell him anything. The manager, his teammates, overall, just a latent, uh, lack of common sense. And a little bit of that would have saved everybody the big headache of now you've got this huge story and it's going to be a PR nightmare for them. So hopefully they figure it out, but I don't think it's going to go away easy and this player is going to face a huge fine suspension. So is the team. They should forfeit draft picks. And that's my two cents on that. Yeah, I'm not a huge... I mean, other than if the actual, uh, like, event that took place in the MLB, which was, like, the COVID uh, test positive and coming back on the field, like, I don't really – I'm not too aware of uh, handing out penalties and what those would be. Uh, it's not my – it's not my sport necessarily, but, like, to think that uh, there won't – be any I wasn't even thinking that there would be team consequences like that wasn't even the first thing that would come to my mind I just thought it would be a huge personal fine on the individual there should be a team fine because they allowed him back on the field but who knows um the Tampa Bay pitcher was having a great game and got yanked and now people are saying that analytics are ruining baseball because the pitcher the 
sorry, not the pitchers, the managers are not allowed to have a sense of the game and a tempo for what's going on. So if a pitcher is in a rhythm and but the analytics say, oh, he's at his 75 pitches, pull him, no matter if he's doing well, they're not allowed to keep him in because the general managers and the scouts want to follow the numbers and they're saying it's ruining baseball. Uh, I think there is something behind this because I think the Jays saw the same thing. Shoemaker was in through 30 pitches, was playing well, and then they uh, decided, you know, Atkins was uh, called down to Montoya and said, nope, he's out, he's done. So they have a plan before the game and they stick with that plan. But if your pitcher's rolling, you keep him in, right? So that's just one of those stories that came out of it. Nothing big to take away from it. Um, but I don't, I thought it was a shame that it was pulled early. Yeah, I saw that. But like I said, I'm not too familiar with baseball, but it seemed like the whole internet and even other professional athletes were pretty like vocal about what happened with the Tampa Bay pitcher. Yeah. Some people even said like he should ask for a trade. CC, it might have been CC Sabathia. <laughs> wow. Like, that would be big. Uh, and then. One of the other stories coming about that Kershaw finally gets his ring. He looked happy. Nothing good about that. It's just nice to see a athlete top of their game get the championship that they deserve. I was happy for him. Uh, good on him. Uh, we got to get into another story that isn't the best. Uh, it's from the NHL, and that is the whole Mitchell Miller story. Are you familiar with this? I am now, yes. So I remember we were golfing earlier this week, actually, and your yeah. friend mentioned the whole uh, scenario. And I don't know if I caught names. And then I was like, wow. And then uh, literally two days later, um, the article came out and then I put names to the story. And then I'm like, oh, wow, this is what he was talking about. And I didn't I didn't even realize two things. One, one was that they knew that it had even happened before they had even drafted him. And then the second thing I didn't know was uh, uh, his name as well. So, and, and uh, like his, 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 his ranking in the, in the draft and like mm -hmm. what selection he was either. So I, I'm really curious because it sounds like you know a lot. Right. So let's start from the beginning. Um, the whole story is Mitchell Miller was bullying, and I'm going to pull up the kid's name because it deserves to be said. I think it's Isaiah something. Uh, let me just grab it for you. But he was bullying this boy at school, and he was an African-American with um, – he had – I forget that. He had developmental issues, so he his brain didn't work the age that he was. And so he was bullying him at school, harassing him, being racist, calling him derogatory words, and Mitchell and this other guy were doing it. And so it got to the point where they – went to court because the situation was they got a popsicle or a, a ring pop or something like that and covered it in urine and made this kid pretty much eat it or offered it to him. And so he ate it. And when that happened, he had to be tested for STDs, uh, including like AIDS, HIV, hepatitis. And it went to the court and they were obviously found guilty of this. And so he had to serve community uh, service and hours and write a letter and apologize and all that. But in the court ruling, the judge says, I don't think you're sorry. I think you're sorry you got caught and this is just an inconvenience to you. And so uh, a couple of years go by, apparently this kept up. He didn't even show any remorse or try to apologize. So 
um, along comes his draft year. And before he was drafted, he sent out 31 letters to 31 NHL GMs, obviously, uh, apologizing for his actions and saying that he's working on himself to build up his character and be a bunch of bullshit, to be honest. Like, this kid just wanted to make the NHL. And so um, 30 teams crossed them off his list. One team didn't, the Arizona Coyotes. Now, the Coyotes drafted him. They knew about it. The GM stuck up for him when this story broke, and they have since renounced his rights. They, by stuck up, I mean what they said was, uh, we're willing to work with Mitchell to um, kind of rehab him and get him involved in an anti-bullying campaign. Now, he wrote a letter to all 31 NHL GMs, one person apologizing for his actions, one person he has yet to apologize to and still hasn't uh, at the time of this recording is the boy he bullied. So he clearly doesn't show any remorse. The kid doesn't deserve to be in the NHL. He was drafted. Yeah, everybody deserves a second chance, but that second chance should have been taken when you were 14, not when you're drafted into the NHL and you've been caught for what you've done. So the Coyotes recently, they underwent uh, you know, a whole new change in ownership with the culture and all that. And they're, they have this whole like anti-bullying campaign out and inclusion for all types of cultures across uh, through Arizona and across the country. And the first thing they do is go and draft this kid who's been bullying uh, this poor boy and he's being racist and all that. And it's just not a good look for them. But that's not the end of the story because the Coyotes, and I don't know if you remember this, were recently handed a fine out. They were docked to draft picks and I think some cash. The reason for that was because they were pre-scouting draft prospects before the draft had happened. So the team that had the most knowledge of the prospects going into the draft fucked up their draft pick. Like, if you'd have known about this, why are you drafting this kid? So they didn't have a first-round pick this year. They didn't have a second-round pick. They didn't have a third-round pick, and they renounced their rights to their fourth-round pick. And I'm almost done. And the only reason they drafted this kid in the fourth round is because apparently he's a second-round talent that everybody else crossed off their list. So they just said, fuck it with, with everything else and took this kid because they saw the talent, which is a disgusting move, and the Coyotes should be ashamed of themselves. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just looking at your notes. <laughs> yeah. And, and one last thing, the Coyotes tweeted out that they have renounced the rights to Mitchell Miller, and I responded, too little, too late. This joke, this franchise is a joke on and off the ice right now or something like that, and they blocked me on Twitter. So. Yeah, actually, that was something that um, I was going to mention. Um it's taking me a second to gather my thoughts. Obviously, it's a very sensitive situation, not only not only for the NHL, but for uh, like bullying um, awareness across the world. Because unfortunately, I'm 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 pretty sure this doesn't just happen in the NHL, and I'm sure there's probably some uh, athletes in all sports that have gotten away with this to some extent over their. Uh, over their, over their, over their, over their lives. I mean, athletes are, are given systemically a lot of 
uh, a ranking in, in, in society almost. And you feel like when you're younger, if you have a lot of talent, maybe it, it can oversee your, your personal actions outside of the sport. And uh, to think that, you know, as a professional athlete, you can uh, let something like that hold I guess what I'm trying to say is that's something that like, as a professional athlete that is something that's going to be held over your head for the rest yeah. of your life yeah and, as, it should um, be. as it should be now whether or not you ever go professional now is a huge question right and the mother of the boy that was being bullied was the one who wrote to the coyote saying pretty much, why did you draft pick this kid? Do you know the, the terror and the impact he's had on my child? He doesn't deserve to be drafted because of his actions. But what she did admit and did say is that the other boy who was involved had apologized and they had forgiven him. And they said he meant it. He worked with our, our, our kid and was able to uh, build up a, a friendship and you know work to fix his actions. Mitchell Miller hasn't done any of this and he's still yet to do that. So it's too little too late now because the only thing, the only reason everyone's going to jump to the conclusion of is that he's doing this because he wants to make the NHL and no one's going to touch him with a 10 foot pole in my opinion right now. Right. And I don't know. I think he needed receipts to prove that he had done work uh, since the actions and they just weren't there. So now he's got to face the consequences, and the consequences is that he's not in the NHL. Another point of the story people were bringing up is where were this kid? Where was this kid's parents? Right? Like I'm sure if you and I, you or I, did anything like that, we wouldn't be playing hockey for the next three fucking years because we would have our asses beat. I'd be dragged to that kid's house and forced to apologize. I'd be in intensive therapy because obviously there's a problem with this kid. Like, where, where are your parents? And the only reason that he was probably still allowed to play hockey is because this kid's parents saw him, you know, oh, he's good. Okay, you could be a good hockey player, but be a decent human being first. So, overall, it's a disappointing story because, especially at this time in the world, and this broke, and my heart breaks for the kid and the family that was affected. And I have no sympathy for Mitchell Miller, and I hope, I, I hope nobody signs him until he can show his receipts and show that he's grown as a person. So well, that's my thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I mean, those, those can pretty much be Orion's thoughts. So yeah, not just Josh's, there's not too much else to say really like facts were covered and opinions were, were, uh, were mentioned and, uh, and yeah, I kind of hogged the mic there, but I've been worked up with it for this since like Tuesday. So yeah, no, 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 no. I don't. Even... <laughs> yeah. There's nothing to do with that. Honestly, it has to do with uh, the topic being presented with the most uh, passion and right. right where you have it right now. And uh, not to say that I don't have the exact same amount of passion for you as towards this topic uh, as you do. It's just. Uh, for you, for the viewers out there, like Josh covers a lot of NHL and he's a lot more into the NHL reporting on Twitter and how events happen very quickly. And as you can tell, he knows the stories and the facts. 
I, 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 I try to lean away to cover the other aspects like the NBA yeah. and some of the stuff we don't get to. So when Josh goes off on a rant like that, it has nothing to do with the microphone. I know I'll get my time back. <laughs> yeah. It's just, that's, that's where the most empathy, not empathy, empathy in other situations, but not today. That's where the most, uh, uh, emotion is coming from is where the person who has the most information, I wouldn't want to stand up here and talk because I had no idea about all the, the details to the story and the, the popsicle, like what I know I'd like this, yeah. through my, my eyes were open and my jaw was dropped the whole time you were talking about the details. So just uh, to conclude, are you done to, like, to conclude the... Yeah, we conclude, should move on. Otherwise, I'll be yelling about it all the time. To conclude the Mitchell Miller uh, story, his draft pick status, NHL status was renounced. Yeah. And um, for his individual personal life, I mean... He has a lot of steps, and I don't even think if sports and athletic are the ones he should be taking. No, not right now. Work on yourself before you work on sports, and we'll leave it at that. All right, let's move on to something a little more positive. Uh, Thursday night football last night. Uh, did you watch any of it? See any highlights? Unfortunately, no. So we have even- the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Going into the game, the Falcons were 1-6, and, and the Panthers – were three and four, I believe, right now. So the Falcons won 25 to 17. So they are now two and six, and the Panthers are three and five because they lost. Matt Ryan, uh, quarterback for the Falcons, was 21 for 30, 281 yards, and he threw one interception. And for the Panthers, it got a little bit more interesting because Teddy Bridgewater was 15 for 23, 176 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But the Panthers put in P.J. Walker, who went one for four for three yards. Um, but P.J. Walker, for any XFL fans out there, uh, was the Houston Roughnecks quarterback in the XFL, and he absolutely tore up that league. So uh, I was a big fan of the XFL when it was on for the, the five weeks back earlier in the year. Uh, I just thought it was really cool that, that he got some some playing time, even though it was on a losing game and he only got four plays. but. Um, it was just interesting to see him in there. Uh, it wasn't too much of an eventful game. I know the Panthers were leading at one point. The Falcons kind of stormed back. Um, but apart from that, it was, you know, typical game. The Falcons had 401 total yards, Panthers 304. The Falcons threw more passing yards, 270, as opposed to the Panthers 157. But the Panthers rushed 147 and the Falcons rushed 131. So, um, yeah, they matched up well with each other. It was an entertaining game uh, from what I saw. I, didn't, was, I was at work when it was on, so I didn't get to see the full thing. And from the highlights, it looked like it was a nice close game. Uh, but, yeah, I thought the story of that, uh, for me personally, was just seeing P.J. Walker come in and throw a couple plays because he was in the XFL, so it was kind of cool to see him on an NFL field. Um, I like it. Yeah, but... Just some quick tidbits from that game. Uh, We have Sunday. We got some big games. The Oh, sorry. One second. My notes closed. Uh, So this Sunday, we're going into week eight now, I believe. It's so funny. Your notes close as soon as my notes close by accident. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going into week eight. Yeah. So some games this weekend of note. 
we have the Titans and the Bengals. So Joe Burrow is hoping to get a win there, but it's going to be a tough one against the Titans. Jets and Chiefs. The spread in that game right now, the last time I checked, I think it's at like 23 and a half points. Um, and I think it's going to be more than that. The Chiefs are going to absolutely destroy the Jets. Like, I don't think it's even going to be close. The Jets are the laughing stock of the, NA, of the NHL, of the NFL right now. Uh, we have the Patriots and the Bills. Now, this one's going to be interesting because both teams are kind of struggling. But for like the last 12 years, the Patriots and Tom Brady, and formerly Tom Brady, have dominated the Bills. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bills can do some damage and get their revenge in this game. And another game I'm going to be looking at is the Buccaneers and the Giants, um, just because I really think the Buccaneers are going to lay an absolute beat down on your Giants. Sorry to say that, but that's going to be a tough one for the Giants, I think. Um, but those are our games, and that one's the Monday Nighter. So uh, we'll be able to look forward to that one. But any, any games stand out to you? Uh, look forward to that's not necessarily the word I'm looking to describe Monday night football, but uh, actually, those are literally the two most interesting matchups that I even care about in football. So, the Bills and the Patriots, the Cam yeah. Newton and Josh Allen, yeah. and then Mike Lance and Tom Brady like, those are four matchups I am paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I, those are my four teams. I mean, a fifth team. I pay attention to would be like the Steelers right now because they're undefeated and they have Chase Claypool. So who are they playing? Uh, the Steelers, I believe they're playing the Ravens. Let me double check that for well, you. I think it'd be just as good, Lamar Jackson. So uh, the Steelers are playing the Ravens. Yeah. So that's going to be a very that's that'll be and, a good game. You know, no no Des Bryant yet, but just the storyline surrounding the Ravens is cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there'll be some good. Personally, I'm in vet. I want to see the Bills respond because they just. They kicked their way to a win against the, the Jets. And I want to see the Pats respond, you know? I want to see yeah. Cam Newton respond. He might lose his job. He was talking to himself about that. Right. And I don't think Belichick is quite there yet, though. Uh, no, to- I don't think that's even necessarily – and I know Cam is an honest – and I think he's an honest guy, like, truthfully. Yeah. Even though he talks – like, he talks very openly that he believes in everything he is saying. And not to say that that's not true, but I'm just saying, like, he usually says things that are very – very true about himself, but the most recent like quote about him thinking he would lose his job if he kept this up is a little bit of a stretch. He's a very, he's already shown a lot of glimpses of uh, improvement uh, drastically this start of the season. They've gone on a little recent slump, but they're not oh, and they're not one, and they're not two in this. But they're they're you know they're three and four, so they have a little bit to prove. But the Bills are the Bills, and they don't have any time to go backwards. No, they don't. They're this is their especially with the squad they have in their history, they need to make a push this season. Like, I want to see them in the playoffs. I want to see them win a round or two in the playoffs, or a game or two, whatever you want to call it. Especially with the expanded playoffs this year, uh, it's really important that they get a win here because the rest of their schedule is going to be pretty tough the rest of the way, especially the next couple weeks. I think they got the Patriots this week, and then I think they have the Steelers next week or something like that. Let me just take a quick look. Um but they really need to get it together and keep moving forward. Yeah, so yeah, they got the Patriots this week, Seahawks, Cardinals, Chargers, 49ers, and the Steelers. So tough schedule, some winnable games, um, but they got to, you know, get it together, keep moving. Josh Allen's got to play the way he was in the first four games as opposed to the last two where he was struggling to find his receivers deep. And um, 
you know, power through. And hopefully the Buccaneers keep rolling because Tom Brady I'm, – I'm not really a Tom Brady fan, but it's been fun watching him in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers because it's kind of gone to show, like, he wasn't relying on Belichick that much. I'm sure he helped him. Is Neil Brown going to make his debut on Monday? I don't know because he still has to serve his eight-game suspension, so I don't know when that's up. Oh, shit. Like, he was already serving it, and now it's almost up. So I think this is week eight. So I think after this game. But I'm not 100% sure on that. I don't know if he would come in right away either. So I think that's our NFL. Um, we got news coming out of the hockey world. We have start dates for the AHL, the OHL, and the OJHL. And I know not many of you will care about the OJHL. But um, that's a local league to us. It's Junior A, Junior B, Junior C. Uh, it covers all of that. Obviously, they have different subsections for the leagues. But I don't want to mix my dates up, so I'm just going to double-check everything. But the AHL Board of Governors approved a tentative start date on – I think they approved it on Tuesday, right? It was Tuesday or – your mic's new today. It was uh, Tuesday or Wednesday they agreed on it. And so the AHL will be targeting a February 5th start date, which was approved by the Board of Governors. And the OHL uh, are going to start February 4th. Training camps will open January 23rd. European and American players are going to arrive on January 8th for their two-week quarantine. It'll be a 40-game season, so they're pretty much cutting that in half. Uh, four four teams from each conference will make the playoffs. So only eight teams are making the playoffs as opposed to 16. They're going to get one or two exhibition games between January 29th and the 31st. There was no talk about what's going to happen with the U.S. teams and no details about how the games or the schedule is going to work, but they think they're going to play within a bubble of teams. So they're only going to play four to five teams each. And there was no discussion about the contact issue, fans in the building, was not discussed and the season will conclude May 16th and the Memorial Cup will take place uh, as previously rescheduled June 17th to June 27th. So that's a lot of information about the OHL. Um, but now we have a start date for the OHL and the AHL. I think we can kind of backtrack here and see that the NHL is going to be getting a start date soon. Now they know what these other leagues are doing. And this is good news for the NHL because they can be able to have their junior players playing with their junior clubs and their farm teams playing in the AHL, which is good. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, it's exciting, honestly, because you were almost thinking that you'd have to wait for like a vaccine just to ever do something normal again. Yeah. In terms of like local recreational sports in Canada or amongst all of North America, but to see other sports like the MOB, the NFL, um, function at like a level where like they let the athletes live their life outside of um, the the arena almost to an extent, and then they 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 just have a lot of protocols when they enter the arena. So like for the, the local and the junior and the provincial levels of of hockey, at least right now that we've heard opening, it's just a matter of walking in with masks, I'm sure, leaving with your masks on, uh, maybe not even showering together anymore uh, as that was planned, like maybe right. having 
three, like maybe for junior players in OHL, like maybe they have three dressing rooms instead of one or two for the same amount of team. Like maybe they just have to rent out more uh, changing facilities to create space just to make it safer. But like when you're on the ice, you're there's 10 people out there with some space. But I mean, if you uh, can maintain your distance and then if this can be done and nothing too alarming happens, then I'm really looking forward to getting this back into the culture of Canada, man. Yeah. And the AHL um, doesn't have as many details released yet, but their official, and this isn't the date they're going to start, but it's their official targeted date is February 5th, 2021. And there's been some talk uh, in the AHL that those teams will travel with their NHL clubs. So if you had, uh, for example, that she was Vancouver and Toronto, the Marlies would travel with the Leafs. And the Comets would travel with the Canucks. The, the reason for this being it would limit travel between teams. And it would also be able to keep your taxi squad bigger. So if you needed to call a player up, he's been in your bubble, right? He doesn't have to travel from, in Vancouver's case, Utica to Vancouver. And re-quarantine. And re-quarantine. He's been with the team and can travel up. And I think this would be also be interesting for uh, hockey fans because you'd be having double headers. So uh, say at one in the afternoon, you'd have Marley's Comets and then seven at yeah. night, you got Leafs Canucks. Yeah, it would just be hopeful that they would broadcast those AHL games a little bit more accessibly because it's like either either watch them and you know where they are or you've never heard of where they're going to be played on right. the TV. And I'm sure they would look into that because people are going to want sports when it comes back. Oh, yeah, it's like whole new. NHL. They usually start a couple weeks before the AHL, so it looks I like... they got to start, like, uh, advertising the AHL as, like, a young man's league. Like, that's the only way for it to get, like, this... It has to be... It can't be, like, this goon housing area. It has to be this prospect housing area. And that's right. what I think it is. I really think it is. Like, I do think... I got for, for, for a bunch of years, especially being a hockey player, I know a lot of players my age have always done this weird weird argument like oh would you rather pay to go watch an ohl or an ahl game and everyone's like oh ohl ohl because it's younger and the kids have more drive to get noticed or whatever but like the ahl i feel like especially with the marley's having like brocco or like the one year they won they had a lot of young guys and they've already always had young guys who always made an impact on the leafs too yeah so i think if the whole ahl as um a broad organization can gear it as a young developmental league, sort of how the NBA does with the G League, because it used yeah. to be called a developmental league, and now it's called like the Gatorade because the Gatorade owns the rights. But it's right. still based on development, and you can see there's literally kids instead of going to high school or college to not get paid, okay, not high school, to college instead of not getting paid. If you pay attention to the NBA, players go to the G League because they can get paid, and they. Um, get a more definite and straight experience to the pro game quicker than going to college. So if the AHL offered something like, you know, exceptional statuses for kids, mm -hmm. you know, how uh, it works in the OHL, I think just making the AHL game faster and younger is a good way to start broadcasting it and making it funner to watch. Right. And... Um... Hopefully those start dates stay intact. I'm sure they will. They seem pretty confident with what they've done. Uh, sticking with junior hockey team, Canada's training camp roster was released. Um, and I'm not going to read the full thing, 
but there's a couple names on there that stood out. We had Cole Perfetti, who would be returning, Quentin Byfield, who was just drafted. Uh, who else we got on here? We got Shane Wright, who's actually an under, underager and is only going to be the only 2004 invited to camp. Holy fuck. Yeah, man. which is crazy to think about. Uh, and then we have uh, Jamie Drysdale will be there, Ryan O'Rourke, and then the goalies we have Brett Bouche, Tyler Gauthier, Dylan Garand, Tristan Lennox, and Devon Levy. So, one different thing about training camp this year is it's going to be a 28-day training camp, which apparently the players are pumped about because they get to play hockey. Is that longer? Oh, yeah, much longer. Yeah, I think longer. the training camp last year was in uh, it was in Oakville. And I think it was, like, over a weekend. So, oh, that sucks. Yeah, but um, these players are obviously getting a longer training camp because they haven't been playing. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting. So, uh, I'm really excited to see if Shane Wright, I think he'll make the team. Uh, he'll probably do what McDavid did when he was 16 on the team and just play some third line minutes and use the experience to learn. Because Shane Wright. Maybe right, some power plays. Right. Uh, Shane Wright will be invited back next year uh, when it is his draft year. So he'll probably be more of a leader then, but he'll use this year as experience. Shane Wright is a future star. He's a very future star. And uh, yeah, he was going to have stars. We have. Uh, we have a little uh, blurb about an interesting third jersey that came out. What are your thoughts on the highlighter green Dallas Stars alternate black jersey? People are going to hate me for this, but I liked it. I don't I wouldn't hate you for it. Honestly, if the lights were turned off from the rink, you could still see them. Right. I thought it was different. Like, go for it. Give it a, try, give it a shot. See what happens. And a lot of teams there's are going to be many other. There's a lot of uh, new jerseys actually being released. Uh, yes conceptualized not even that they're released but like conceptualized mm -hmm. as well and the ones that are released are a good start to be honest so and you gotta find that, a way to make money right now right yeah you gotta advertise honestly and i think creative design is one of that yeah and uh you know what there's opens up an opportunity for the stars that wasn't there now they can partner with monster energy drink so yeah do you, yeah about like the nba does that maybe we could put like advertisement patches oh, it, i'd hate that i, I love that i think it's awesome because the la clippers are a perfect example they have like i think it's bumble on their jersey and it's a obviously it's a, I think it's a dating app and yeah. so it's like it, it, it's geared towards a young crowd a demographic and it's an advertisement and it's on the jerseys. It's right there. I uh, I understand why it's needed, but like soccer teams do it, and I think Manchester United did it one year. They just had like the name of a store right across the front of their jersey. I think that the way the soccer teams do it is is completely it's like, hysterical. It's hysterical because it's like it's too exaggerated. You think the name of their team is. Yeah, so it was Chevrolet one year, and they just had Chevrolet on the front of their jerseys. Dude, one team has like a Jeep. It just says Jeep, yeah. and you think Jeep owns? Like, maybe they do, but like I'm like, not I'm here to watch. for the Manchester Chevrolet. Like, what am I even watching here? So there's a car called the Jeep Cherokee, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not here to watch cars go against other cars or something like yeah. that. I'm here to watch sport. So I think right. I'd be okay with a little patch, but don't do the whole front of your jersey. But uh, I guess that's the way it is over there, right? 
All right, you got some NBA news. Uh, do you want to get to that? Well, there's a couple of NBA points here, actually, I'd like to touch on. And there's some here that are universal, not just uh, sports-specific. And we'll start with one of those, especially because it's the most um, devastating yeah. news. Yeah. It's probably devastating news in the – in the in the whole week of sports not only among nba especially if you're a canadian sports fan and if that canadian sports fan trickles down to being a toronto raptors fan you're aware of uh the reports that terrence davis um the young toronto raptor uh has been uh caught in some allegations now they're they're like they're official allegations yeah. of of Terrence Davis. I wish I had the, uh, I'm going to pull it up right now, so I don't. It was uh, seven counts. One was harassment. One was sexual assault. One was endangering a child. Uh, and there were a yeah, couple like, other ones. Yeah, there. It, yeah like, it was stuff like that. I don't think we need to. mischief as well. And, um, but you get the idea. He wasn't being a very good dude. So Davis is 23 years old, and the woman that told the police she went to visit her boyfriend, uh, Davis, this woman was 20 years, 20, 20, year, 20, like two zero as well. Okay. So not as well, I should say. Davis is 23. Um, I'm just scrolling down, trying to find the right things to say. I mean, yeah, he, the headline is Toronto Raptors, Terrence Davis charged with assaulting woman criminal mischief. And as you said, there was some welfare, child endangerment. Like, it is not a good look no. for the... I can't say it's a great look for the Toronto Raptors, but it's not a great look for, obviously, him as an individual. The Raptors are going to do what the Raptors are going to do, and they're going to handle it professionally. I'm certain of that. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. Um, you know, this young man's career, just like we were talking about the young NHL player earlier, uh, is probably ruined forever at a very young age. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I don't know what the uh... – the charges are going to be with that. I don't know if it's, if there's jail time involved, if it's just going to be fines and community service, but uh, I think it's court date is in December sometime. Um, so we'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting to see how the Raptors handle it. It's not as serious as, do you remember the Austin Matthews uh, situation? Not as serious. Do you think it's not Matthews serious was less serious than this? Is that what you mean? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Other way around. My bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, to cover. yeah. But uh, the Leafs handled that once they knew about it well. And, uh, you know, same organization, MLSE. So I'm sure they'll handle it with class and take all things into consideration when they handle it. So, um, and Masai. Masai's got a good handle on things, right? Like he's. That's his job. His job is to keep things. Right. One, one. There's one way the Raptors roll, and that's the right way. And this will not fall underneath his guidelines of uh, desirable characteristics of a player. Uh, this will open up a spot for a new player for, uh, for the Raptors, which is exciting for uh, Raptors fans to see some new basketball players. And me and my friend were talking last night about how you can see some more Matt Thomas or some more players that you never seen play. Terrence Davis did get some minutes, but. He's going to be completely eliminated from the lineup. So, uh, in, 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 in news other than the Terrence Davis news individually, the Raptors can look forward to finding someone else to play basketball for them. Right. And, uh, yeah, pretty much that. And uh, moving on into 
uh, one more uh, Toronto Raptors news headline that happened earlier earlier in the week was that uh, our la- one of our most one of our more earlier episodes we mentioned that the Raptors were actually about to participate in the next NBA season down in Louisiana, and right. that was completely uh, gassed to be blunt uh, quickly due to the Brianna Taylor. Yeah situation and um right maybe two days after that for us in the athletic world it started from a tweet from patrick mahomes saying that he wants kyle lowry and the uh, toronto raptors to use kansas city as their uh, next season's home and play there because the kc fans don't have a basketball team and uh to see the MV former the Super Bowl MVP, right, coming off of uh, a championship year, uh, advocate for your Toronto Raptors, the only Canadian team to come down and play basketball in your city is super, super exciting. You hope that something can work out. Then the mayor of Kansas City also tweeted something. Literally all he tweeted was working on it to uh, follow up uh, Patrick Mahomes. And uh, honestly, it's, it's, the, it's the next piece of news that followed the – Toronto Raptors this week, so or it was the first piece of news, if I'm being honest, but it's uh, something that is different than the Louisiana thing, for sure. So it may, maybe it'll be talked about more seriously. What do you think? I don't like it. Get your own team. What do you think, though? We're never going to be able to play in Canada. Yeah, but you can borrow our team, but don't get too comfy down there. Yeah, I know. Obviously, they can... Like, I know. I saw, like, some guys on... Uh, <laughs> uh, might have been like Matt Barnes or I don't know what this like Kendrick Perkins or like yeah like this is their team like I'm like this is not like no you can borrow like, our team like we just deserve the basketball team I'm like this is not your own basketball team we will yeah. better be called we will be called the Toronto Raptors wearing our Toronto Raptors colors and playing underneath yeah the like Toronto Raptors the Kansas so City Toronto Raptors like no you're Toronto Raptors playing in Kansas City until they're allowed to come and play back here like nothing else. And Patrick Mahomes is just trying to get a bump, and so is the mayor there. It's so, uh, nice to have your tires pumped, but... Uh, one last, not, not last, but one uh, situational on the NBA as a general topic is uh, we've been talking about uh, starting dates for leagues, and the NBA yeah. initially has been flip-flopping. I shouldn't say initially has been flip-flopping. The NBA has recently been flip-flopping due to their initial... Um, release date they had thought they were going to start in January and then they're like uh, let's try to push for Christmas or a Christmas date early and then there were a couple players that had podcasts just released and then news statements press releases they're like yeah we doubt the NBA bubble players would go for that some some guys like Danny Green was quoted for saying yeah I doubt LeBron would go for that and that go for that is uh, NBA start in December and so there was uh, a large amount of pushback actually from the NBA. I don't know if it was just the PA or just players and teams in general that have decided to push that back past January, I believe. So what do you think? Money talks. If the players start in January, there's going to be a bigger pot of money for them and less of a cut will be taken out of their contracts. If they start in January or later, it's estimated that upwards of 30% will be taken from their contract. So if you're a $10 million player, you're only making seven that year. So yeah. 
So that's very good. I'm glad you mentioned that point because um, do what you there's, want, teams, but... there's, teams, there's teams that haven't even been playing competitive basketball since March. March, because they, there's eight teams or something like that that didn't even get into the bubble. They extended yeah. the amount of teams that made the playoffs or the bubble. The bubble wasn't even the playoffs. They had play-ins to get into the yeah. playoffs that all occurred in the bubble. And some teams didn't even get into that. Right. So, like, if you're the Phoenix Suns, you didn't even get into the playoffs, but you went 8-0 and you had a lot of time to practice as a team, get better, develop chemistry, plays, all that stuff. You went 8-0. And now you can start on that next season. But if you're a team like, uh, uh, I don't know, the Golden State Warriors, you have no chance to build a competitive edge to get back anyone into the lineup. Like Steph, if you had the chance, now you're going to be coming – you don't want to wait any longer is what I'm trying right. to say. You're one, you're one of those teams pushing for that early start. And people are like, oh, this will push the Lakers on a slow start, other teams on a slow start. You're an NBA franchise, and this is how you make money in the NBA. And 30% is a huge number. Oh, yeah. And and for, for 30 days difference, maybe even half that, two weeks of a difference, you should be able to start training right now, get your slow ass, stop smoking and drinking because you're a professional athlete. You're done celebrating, okay? The Lakers are the Lakers. If they have a championship hangover, then that's normal in life as normal professional sports turnover. That's a normal turnover, a, a, a hangover. And uh, if, if, if all the bubble teams have these hangovers, then, then we're going to have a huge flop in the NBA, and that's going to be just as exciting. Yeah. The Knicks are going to win the championship this year, then, with that logic. <laughs> Uh, but what I don't it was like a two week difference in time, so you're not That's ready, right? You're it's ready like, then, but you're gonna be ready even, later. Get your ass off the couch. It's not even, it's it's that's the worst is that I saw this. Yeah, I think it was Danny Green, just like, yeah, I doubt Braun would go for that, or I doubt some players would go for that. I swear it was Danny Green talking. Anything that comes out of Danny Green's mouth since he thought he was important as Kawhi Leonard's decision when he left Toronto has just been absolute cabbage garbage yeah. for me and I don't understand no okay I don't care for anything that he says he'll miss a shot break a shot and that's what comes out of my mouth for him that speaks for me enough yeah, yeah. he won my ring Danny Green you can sit on the bench and go you know 15% from the three-point line you will season next season I don't care you're playing in December if that's when they choose yeah like that's money talks tv deals talk fans talk so, and then, uh, you'll speaking, play when you of, yeah, speaking of fans talking, there's uh, Giannis and Disney, specifically Giannis went out on Twitter, Giannis Antetokounmpo, that is, and uh, Disney's casting roles for him and his brother, Thanasis. Uh, there have been uh, a biop, I don't know if it's what if that's what it is, or they're having a story about Giannis and uh, his brothers coming over to uh. Canada, right. Canada. Oh, I'm stumbling over the words. Coming over to uh, the states, coming over to the states and being a professional basketball player, and uh, they're looking for people to play Giannis uh, as a younger man, uh, a younger boy, and his brother. So they're looking for Giannis sent out a picture of himself when he was younger, asking for people to DM him back pictures of himself, uh, right. pictures of of themselves. Uh, if they look alike, if they could cast him. So it's kind of an interesting way because you've seen the uh, LeBron James is having his movie and now Giannis is going to be having a cast. And so the NBA is becoming this worldwide phenomenon where uh, it's 
not just about the game. It's about producing uh, entertainment too. Yeah. Uh, that'd be cool. I hope. Uh... And, uh, I mean, like that's, uh, that's pretty much the, the cap off of another slow week in quarantine sports, man. Right. Um, we just want to take a moment and thank everybody for the listens and the, the, the feedback on the last episode, the women in sports episode. It blew away uh, our expectations of what we were going to get out of that. We are, I think it's currently sitting at like 138 views on YouTube and uh, we have close to 90 listens over Spotify and Google play and all other podcasters. And to ha have those numbers early on, uh, that's, uh, that's fucking awesome. awesome. Uh, we love yeah. it. Um, so keep it up. Uh, that was, that was a really fun episode to do. And I got a lot of good feedback about it. I don't know if you heard anything, but, uh, we're going to keep doing stuff like that maybe once or twice a month, uh, because it's important that we hear from, uh, people who don't normally get a chance to speak. So, uh, that was fun. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, guys, look forward to our Monday episode and look forward to a couple other guests that aren't necessarily females in sports, uh, but just positions in sports where we're going to try to broadcast, we're going to, where we are going to try to advertise to you how young individuals get uh, access into early starts in this uh, career in sports management. And right. uh, if you want to do something that involves yourself in sports, if you're interested in it, we're just going to be, we're looking for experienced individuals and we're looking for people who have stuff to share. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, that's it. Uh, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, follow, listen. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, all that stuff. Uh, follow our personal accounts too. Uh, we're always active on there. And don't be afraid to reach out if you want to chat with us about something or to bring something up on the show. So until then, thanks for listening. And we will see you Friday. What do you do Friday? This is Friday. This is Monday. Oh, this is the Monday episode. Wow, look at us. We're filming on Friday. Um, Wednesday, right? Yeah, we'll do Wednesday. Okay, bye. <laughs>